this is about how there are three influences that we may encounter in life. Three distinct influences that will have a direct effect on what our experiences and what we might become. Now, all of this begins with a question. And so I want all of you to ask yourself this question. And this isn't the kind of question that you need to answer right away. In fact, I'd rather you didn't answer this right away. In fact, I'd like you to resist the natural internal reactive urge to answer this question. This is the sort of question that sort of wells up inside of you from somewhere deep. It's the sort of question that you want to allow to exist. This is why I don't want you to try and answer the question right away. Allow this question to simply be there for a moment. And this question probably has something to do with why am I here? What am I seeking? What am I hoping to get out of this event? So, as I was saying, there are three influences that we may encounter in life, three distinct influences. And they are qualitatively different things. Now, most left-hand path followers tend to not be terribly egalitarian. We tend to not believe in uh, artificial equality of outcomes. But there are differences in our proclivities and our natures. And by that same token, there are differences in the three influences that we may receive in the world, that we may find in the world, and they each have a very different effect on where we're going, what we become, what other people we might meet. So the first kind of influences. And um, this idea... This idea about these different influences is actually a very old idea, and you'll find reiterations of it. If you go and start studying throughout history and studying esoteric systems, you'll find different reiterations of this idea that there's different qualities of influences. But it's one of these ideas that's been uh, lost. It's been so um, overlooked and denigrated that people have pretty much lost touch with it. So you don't really find this idea in common literature. You don't find this overtly talked about in most occult literature, uh, most religious and spiritual stuff. You have to dig pretty deep if you want to find it. And then also the way things are taught, like the idea appears in uh, the Gospels in one sense, but the way this has been taught and, and mistranslated over thousands and thousands of years, the original meaning of this idea has been lost. 
but it's actually one of the most important things in the quest for wisdom, the quest for knowledge, the quest for power and personal empowerment. One of the most important things is the idea that there are different kinds of influences out there and there are influences out there that can be used to transform you. So you may have heard of the idea of um, lead into gold that the alchemists like to talk about. There's a similar idea going on here. So that's the idea. If you find the right kind of influences, you can transform the lead of your current existence into gold of a future existence. Well, first, we have to understand the first kind of influence. And the philosopher uh, Ospensky, philosopher and mathematician from the uh, early uh, 20th century, talked about these ideas and, and he talked about the first kind of influences as A influences. And I like to call these simply mechanical influences because they're very, very apparent and they're very cause and effect. So these are the kind of influences that come to us via ordinary life. So they come to us via other people, they come to us via television, they come to us via um, values like sports and uh, lots of uh, popular music, um, romance novels, the influences of ordinary life. And for most people, this circle is uh, of influences is the only place they will go through most of their existence. And these are the only kind of influences they'll receive. And the thing is, they'll be satisfied with that. They'll be satisfied with those influences. They'll never want for anything more. They'll never seek for anything more. Even if they're depressed and miserable, they'll never consider that perhaps there are a, a higher level of influences a stronger quality of influences. So this is the realm where um, uh, of predator and prey. This is the realm of simple uh, give and take. It can be good here. It can be bad here. And there's not... Um, I don't mean to say that there's some judgment about these influences. Like they're no good. No, you need them. So you need influences about like, you know, well, what's a good kind of food to eat? What kind of clothes should I get? What kind of job should I get? No, you need to go through in life and you need to experience these influences. Nothing wrong with them at all. But for some reason, some of us want more. And you realize at a certain point as you're going through life that if you want to obtain a higher quality of influence, that you have to make certain efforts to move beyond this ring of the ordinary, the circle of the ordinary, circle of A influences, the circle of mechanical influences.
So the second kind of influences, Ospensky liked to call them B influences, and I like to call them substantial influences. And these are not as common in our ordinary experience. We don't we don't come into contact with these influences quite as frequently in the course of ordinary uh, life. And why are these influences different? Well, initially, we understand this in terms of their origin. We say, where did these influences originate? Where do they come from? And generally, that question of where they originate starts to take us back in time to something unknown, maybe something mythological in that Jungian realm of archetypes. And so these come to us um, via the vehicle of literature, the arts, certain kinds of music, certain kinds of architecture. So we can find examples like uh, a great one is the Great Pyramids or the Sphinx. It's still a mystery how these were built, how they knew to build them. Where did they get the technology to do these things? It's still a mystery. But clearly, they are the result of people who, who knew something. And by making these efforts to create these things, they left something that has reverberated throughout generations, throughout civilizations, until it the impression of it comes to you right here. And the mystery that's associated with it comes to you as well when you encounter it. So um, there's also uh, the uh, Gothic cathedrals is another architectural example of a substantial influence or a B influence. Another example uh, would be say the, the organ works of Bach in terms of music. Certain pieces of literature, like fragments of the, uh, the Bible of the New Testament, the Bhagavad Gita, the poetic Gitas, the Gathas of Zarathustra that come to us orally, that survived orally over literally millennia. And certain of the occult grimoires as well seem to hold that, that those fragments of a higher kind of knowledge, of knowledge that originates at a higher kind of source. So this is a critical point, understanding these substantial influences, understanding these B influences, because like I said, they're not as common out here in reality, but Pretty much everyone comes into contact with them. But not everyone connects with them in the same way. Now, for some of us, 
what happens is a certain sort of resonance, almost like a kind of material that follows along with these influences, enters into us. Okay, There's this old idea that impression, Gurdjieff once said that impressions are, are food. And there's this idea that um, and we've all heard, you are what you eat. But what you take into yourself has a direct effect on what you become. And so we're, we've only understood this in terms of like, you know, hamburgers and falafels and beer. We want to start understanding this in terms of the impressions that we receive through the other senses, through our sight, our sound, our feeling. And these B influences carry a certain resonance with them that, again, traces back to the mystery of their origins. And, and what you see in these origins is that ultimately they originated in what we call schools, esoteric schools, not a school like public school, really the opposite of that. Not a place where people go to get indoctrinated, but a place where people voluntarily go to try and seek the mysteries, to try and understand something about their structure, to try and understand something about the sense and significance of life on earth and human life in particular. So there's something about these influences that we receive within us that remains. And if you receive enough of these, they start to create something new inside you. And Aspensky liked to call this uh, magnetic center. And so what magnetic center does as it starts to grow is it starts to magnetize other influences. So you start receiving more and more. You're attracted to more of these like substantial influences and more of these influences seem to be attracted to you. And the more of these that you receive, it starts to build this magnetic center until it comes to a certain point where um, the center becomes a thing unto itself. And eventually, it starts to attract you to other people who have a magnetic center in them which means it also can attract you to an esoteric school, to a group of other people who are also trying to escape from this reality. So this goes back to the idea, yeah, of the prison allegory. And this is why we have to understand the prison allegory first. 
The idea is that man in his current state is basically in prison. So, anyone see The Matrix? So this is a great example of this, a great modern example of this idea. And interestingly, it has to do with the fact that they were looking at esoteric ideas. They were looking literally at uh, substantial influences when they were putting, you know, putting this, 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 this storyline together. And so it's very interesting that it worked out um, representing a very similar um, sort of scenario. But what happens in the matrix is um, that's essentially what happens is he real Neil realizes that he's been in prison. It's been living an illusion. And so if you realize that you're in prison, if you wake up one day and you realize that you're in prison, you realize that your life is basically mechanical and it's the same thing over and over again and nothing ever changes. What can you possibly hope for? Well, if you're a rational person, the only thing you could possibly hope for at that point is freedom, is to be free. If you realize that you're in prison, the only thing that it is reasonable to wish for is to be free. But you start looking at the system and you realize really quickly that you cannot escape on your own. One person never escapes from prison because you need to make plans. You need to collect tools and hide them. You know, you need to share ideas with others. And so what you need to find is a few other people who want to escape the few others who have also woken up, realized they're in prison, and realize the only thing that's worth talking about is how we're going to escape out of here, how we are going to be free. And not everyone, but not everyone can escape from prison. See, that never happens. Never happens that just everyone escapes from prison. And the, the simple answer to that is because it's too obvious. Be an imbalance against the uh, forces of mechanicalism, the forces that support mechanicalism, the forces that support the prison. So if there's that many people are trying to get out, well, it becomes a prison riot, and then they just bring in um, big guns and riot guns and, and tanks and whatever, and they put it, they put it down. So one person can't escape, but not everyone can escape. This is one of the lies, by the way, of the right-hand path, is the idea that everyone can, can get out. And if you actually, if you go back and you read the Gospels with like a clear, uh, with a clear mind, you'll see that I mean, this is Jesus never says that this is a religion for everyone. And he says quite the opposite. Again and again, he says, this is only for the few. I'm just looking for a few good men. 
He's just looking for 12 people, actually. But that's another story. So, back to B influences. This magnetic center is what helps you find the others. So that might be a long process of finding the right people because there's a lot of false others. There's a lot of false teachers out there. There's a lot of people that just want to take advantage of you. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You know, we can go online and I'll find like, I can find five guys who are like, oh yeah, I'll cast spells for you. And, I, and if you're at this point where you're talking about finding the others and you're talking about finding a higher level of influences, you're, you're beyond the level of spells. To be totally honest with you, the level of spells and sorcery, that's actually down at A influences. Because uh, spells and, and, and sorcery is all about gaining a, a influences. It's about getting a new girlfriend. It's about getting a better job. It's about getting a new car. All those things are cool. All those things are fine. But you have to understand they all take place on that first level. So level two, you're at the point where you're receiving these higher influences, B influences. And what can happen is eventually you find the right other people who are also trying to escape and also have knowledge that precedes them. Knowledge that comes from somewhere before them that has been somehow transmitted. And these are the people who can now help you get somewhere. Because now we can talk about the third kind of influence, which Ospensky called them C influences. And I like to call them super substantial influences. Because these are the kind of influences now that can really transform you. These are the influences that are food for higher being. These are the influences that go back are back to the source. This is the black flame itself. This is what Zarathustra called Mainu Athra. This is the source of becoming. And is the source of conscious life at the same time. Sometimes we like to symbolize it as the black flame. So with that in mind, as we move forward and progress into this weekend full of magic and learning and exchange and will and passion, Take that idea with you. Take that question with you. That question, because that question itself is the first thing 
that leads you into the real fire of becoming. And as you hold that fire with you, I would like to now turn this over to the next thing.